What was the situation of Medina like when Rasulullah moved in there? There were five tribes living in Medina. Three of them were Jewish and two of them were Arab. The three Jewish tribes were Banu Qaynuqa, Banu Nadir, and Banu Quraidah. The Arab tribes were Al Aus and Al Khazraj. Those two tribes had fought against each other for over one century until the moment came where they wanted to agree and have a leader and a king amongst them. Abdullah ibn Ubay was getting prepared to be the king. Before the arrival of the Prophet they were getting the crown and the throne ready for Abdullah ibn Ubay. But he who comes, Muhammad sallallahu So all the attention drifts away from Abdullah ibn Ubay to who? To the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu And you could see just that alone, how much hatred Abdullah will have towards the Prophet Muhammad Rasulullah was riding on his donkey and he went towards a gathering that included Arabs, Muslim and non-Muslim, and also Jews. So Rasulullah went to that gathering and he, when his donkey arrived, obviously it caused some dust. And Abdullah ibn Ubay, he said, keep your dust away from us. Rasulullah did not respond back to him. Rasulullah started preaching Islam to them. When he finished, Abdullah ibn Ubay said, Don't come and bother us in our meetings with your talk. Stay home and whoever comes to visit you, then tell them your stories. Abdullah ibn Rawaha, who was a Muslim, he said, No, we want him to come to our meetings and talk to us. And then people started shouting and war was almost going to break out. And Rasulullah had to calm them down. And then Rasulullah went to the house of Sa'd ibn Abad and said, Oh Sa'd, didn't you see what Abdullah ibn Ubay did? Sa'd asked him what happened. And when Rasulullah told him, Sa'd responded back by saying, Oh Rasulullah, Abdullah ibn Ubay was a man whom his people were almost going to appoint him king over them when you arrived. So he sees that you have stripped him of his kingdom. So this was the situation that Rasulullah was dealing with. What was the first project that Rasulullah started when he reached to Medina? The masjid was the first thing Rasulullah did when he arrived to Medina. They built it from mud bricks and the roof was uh, palm leaves. So when it would rain, it would drop right on top of their heads. Very simple. The floor was sand. Even though it was very simple, it was the most blessed masjid. That's where the first generation graduated from. Rasulullah joined the Sahaba in the building of the masjid. He was giving them an example of himself. He وسلم, is not like a leader sitting on the side and telling people you do this and you do that. But the Prophet وسلم, himself used to carry the bricks and وسلم, himself used to lay the bricks. And then one of the things that, that the Prophet وسلم, was so concerned about is how do we call people to the prayers? Some said, you know, we just get a bell like the Christians and start you know, hitting the bell. And the others said, no, get a horn and blow into the horn and make the noise. 
like the Jews and let people come to the mosque. Until one night, one of the companions, Nam Abdullah bin Zayd, radiallahu ta'ala, saw in the dreams, someone came up to him and said, You say, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah, ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah. Hayya ala salati, hayya ala salah. Hayya ala al-falah, hayya ala al-falah. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. La ilaha illallah. And then the man waited for a while and he came back to Abdullah and said, And when you want to make iqamah, you say, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah. Hayya ala al-salati, hayya ala al-falah. Qad qamat al-salah, qad qamat al-salah. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. La ilaha illallah. So Abdullah bin Zayd immediately went to Rasulullah and told him about the dream. Rasulullah said, It is a good dream, insha'Allah. Go with Bilal and teach this to him because his voice is better than yours. So they both went together and Abdullah bin Zayd was teaching Bilal the adhan that he was taught in his dream. And when he finished, Umar ibn Khattab came running. And he said, Oh Rasulullah, I saw that dream. Rasulullah said, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. When the Prophet Muhammad came, he had two different types of Muslims. He had the Ansar and he had the Muhajirin, those who migrated with him from Mecca to Medina. And obviously, it's not easy that you're an outsider as a Muhajir. You're an outsider coming to live in a land or coming to share the houses and the food with others who live in Medina. So the Prophet wanted to break that. What the Prophet did, he got all the men from the Muhajirin who migrated with him from Mecca. And with the same number, Nabi got the best of people of Medina. And he got them together and he said, you from Mecca, you are from Muhajir, you are the brother of this brother from Ansar. So the Prophet Muhammad made each companion from Mecca, a brother of another companion from Medina. And not only that, it wasn't a brother like me and you, you know, we're brothers. I love you for the sake of Allah. We're talking about true brotherhood here. But the Prophet Muhammad even made them that if one of them dies, inherits the other. Like a blood brother, a full blood brother. Until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbade that. And from that, you start hearing amazing stories. One of these brotherhood relationships between a Muhajir and Al Ansar was that of Sa'd bin Rabi'ah and Abdurrahman bin Awf. Abdurrahman bin Awf was a Muhajir from Mecca. He stayed at the house of Sa'd bin Rabi'ah. Sa'd bin Rabi'ah told him, Oh, my brother, I am one of the most wealthiest men in Medina. I will split my wealth in half and give it to you. And I'm married to two women. You can take a look at both of them and choose whichever one you want. And I will divorce her and after she finishes her uddah, you can marry her. And this is the level of sacrifice that they were willing to go to. Abdurrahman ibn Awf said, May Allah bless your wealth and bless your family. Show me the way to the market. Sa'd ibn Rabi'ah did show him the way towards the market of Banu Qaynuqa'a. Abdurrahman ibn Awf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed his wealth. So very early on, he was able to establish himself. He became very wealthy. 
So the Ansar were very cooperative and sacrificing towards Al-Muhajirun. And in fact, Al-Ansar, they went to Rasulullah and said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, split the palm groves between us and the Muhajirin. Rasulullah said no. So the Ansar said, Then you take care of the work in the farms and we will split the harvest between us and you. Rasulullah agreed and that was the deal. But even that didn't happen. The Ansar, even though they said that we'll have the Muhajirin work, they ended up doing most of the work. So Al-Muhajirun said, Ya Rasulullah, we have never seen a people like this. They comfort us when they are poor. And they are generous when they are well off. They work in their farms and then they split the harvest with us. We think that they would get all of the reward on the Day of Judgment and leave us with nothing. Rasulullah said, No, as long as you are grateful towards them and as long as you make dua for them. Rasulullah says, O oh Allah, forgive the Ansar and the children of Al-Ansar and the children of the children of Al-Ansar and the women of Al-Ansar. And Rasulullah says, In the name of Allah, I love you. I love Al-Ansar. And then he said, Al-Ansar have done their part. Now it's your turn. The third project which Rasulullah started was what were the covenant, the document to govern the relationship between the different communities in Medina. I will read to you the terms of this agreement. It is narrated by Ibn Ishaq. The Messenger of Allah wrote a contract between the immigrants and the helpers in which he expressed conciliation. These are the words of Ibn Ishaq. In the name of Allah, the merciful, the beneficent. This is a document from Muhammad, the unlettered prophet, between the believers and Muslims of Quraysh and Yathrib and their followers, allies and supporters, establishing that they are one nation apart from all others. The immigrants from Quraysh will maintain their current practice and will honor blood money contracts between themselves and will treat their weaker members with kindness and justice. The believers shall not leave anyone among them burdened by debts without giving to him in kindness and in paying for him any ransom money or blood money he owes. A believer will not ally with any freed man of a second believer against that man. Pious believers act against any of their own who practice evil or seek to bring harm, sin, aggression or corruption among believers. Believers will unite against anyone doing this, even if he be one of their own sons. No believer shall kill any believer for any non-believer, nor shall he help any non-believer against a believer. Allah's protection is all one. The least of them can offer protection to others. Believers are allies to one another, excluding others. Whatever Jews follow us, shall receive help and equality. They shall not be maltreated, nor will help be afforded others against them. In every expedition we engage in, riders shall take turns on their mounts. Believers shall avenge one another for blood shed in Allah's cause. Believers who are pious are well guided on the straightest of paths. No polytheist shall be allowed to offer protection 
for the property or persons of Quraysh, nor try to interfere with any believer. Anyone who has clearly aggressed against and caused the death of any believer shall be subject to retaliation for him unless the dead man's executor can be satisfied. Believers as a whole shall take action against him and no excuse for their not doing so will be acceptable. It shall not be permissible for any believer who has accepted what is in this document and who believes in Allah and Judgment Day to give help or shelter to any wrongdoer. Any believer who does this shall be the object of Allah's curses and anger on Judgment Day and neither compensation nor excuse will be acceptable from him. Any matter in which you disagree must be referred to Allah Almighty and glorious is he and to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The Jews of Bani Auf are one community with the believers. They've got their religion. The Muslims have their practices. The Jews shall be responsible for their expenditure and the Muslims are so. If attacked by a third party, each will come to assist of each other. Each party shall hold a concern with the others. Any party that's been wronged should be aided. If a Muslim oppresses a Jew, then the Jew must be aided. The Jews shall contribute to the cost of war so long as they are fighting alongside with the believers. The signatories to the Sridi shall boycott Quraysh commercially. They shall also abstain from extending any support to them. No support, no communication with Quraysh because Quraysh is fighting against the Prophet Muhammad Each shall contribute to defending Medina in case of foreign attack in its respective area. If this treaty should not hinder either party from seeking lawful revenge. So now the Prophet Muhammad is settling the ground in Medina and opening a new page in Medina. His main objective is to call to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to guide people to Islam, save people from the hellfire and bring people to the paradise. The most knowledgeable rabbi in Medina was Abdullah bin Salam When he heard of the coming of Rasulullah he decided to go and meet him. So he went to meet Muhammad In one narration, in the narration of Imam Ahmad, Abdullah bin Salam says, when I saw the face of Rasulullah I knew this was not the face of a liar. In this narration in Bukhari and also Al-Bayhaqi narrates it, Abdullah bin Salam wants to test Muhammad These were rabbis, scholars, they had signs for the upcoming prophet. So he said, I'm going to ask you about three things that only a prophet knows about. Number one, what is the first sign of the Day of Judgment? Number two, what is the finest food that the people of paradise would eat? And number three, what causes a child to resemble his father or his mother? Rasulullah said, Jibreel told me the answers to your questions a short while ago. Regarding the signs of the Day of Judgment, the first will be a fire that comes at people from the east and leads them to the west. As for the prime food of paradise eaten by those that are there, that is a whale's liver. The answer to the third question. And if the male's liquid precedes that of the female, he will resemble the child. While if the female's liquid precedes that of the male, 
she will resemble the child. Abdullah bin Salam said, I testify that there is no God but Allah and that you are the messenger of Allah. But then he said, and this is in the narration of Al-Bukhari, but the Jews are a people of liars. If they learn of my acceptance of Islam before you ask them about me, they will lie to you. So Abdullah bin Salam went into hiding while Muhammad وسلم, invited the leaders of the Jews to come and visit him. So they came in and Muhammad وسلم, asked them about Abdullah bin Salam. What do you say about Abdullah bin Salam? They said, he is our leader and the son of our leader. He is the most learned man among us and the son of our most learned man. So that was their opinion of him. Rasulullah asked them, what would you say if he accepts Islam? They said, God forbid, oh, he will never become a Muslim. So Rasulullah told Abdullah bin Salam to come out of hiding. He came and he said, O oh Jews, fear Allah. By Allah, other than whom there is none, you certainly know that he is the messenger of Allah and that he brings you the truth. They said, you are the worst of us and the son of the worst of us. On the spot, they changed their opinion about Abdullah bin Salam anhu, and he knew them well and that's why he said, you need to hear what they say about me before they know I have became a Muslim. Medina was not a secure place. The people of Medina said that by Allah, after the migration of the Prophet Muhammad to Medina, we start to sleep with the sword. That's how insecure Medina became. And not only for them, but even to the Prophet Muhammad Aisha narrates and she says that the Prophet Muhammad one night he was awake all night and worried. The Prophet Muhammad says, I wish if a righteous man from amongst my companions will come and guard me this night. Aisha says, by Allah, just moments after that, we heard feet walk towards our house. So we opened the door and the Prophet Muhammad saw Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas. So the Prophet Muhammad told him, what made you come at this time? He said, oh, messenger of Allah, I could not sleep knowing that there's no one is guarding you, so I came to guard you. And Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha said, ever since that night, every single night, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam will have a guard guarding the house of the Prophet alayhi salatu wasallam until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to the Prophet alayhi salatu wasallam, Allah will protect you from people. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha says, when that verse was revealed to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the Prophet alayhi salatu wasallam took his head out out of the window and he told the guards that were standing in front of his house, Allah is protecting me, so go, there is no need for you today. The Muhajireen who moved from Mecca to Medina, they were feeling homesick and they wanted to go back to Mecca. Medina had swampy land and because of this they would catch a fever. Aisha radiallahu anha said that my father and Bilal and Amr bin Fahira catch this fever so I went to visit them. So I said, oh my father, how are you? And he didn't respond back, he was just reciting lines of poetry. She went to Bilal and said, Bilal, how are you? Same thing. Amr bin Fahira, same thing. Aisha said, these men don't know what they're saying. Rasulullah he said, Oh Allah, make us love Medina like we love Mecca or more. And make it healthy and bless for us our food and drive out the fever 
of Medina to Al-Jahfa. Subhanallah, due to the blessing of the dua of Rasulullah the Muhajirin ended up loving Medina more than anywhere else on the face of the earth. Until this day, there is a special feeling that a believer has when they go to the town, of, to the city of Rasulullah A very important event occurred about 14 months into the hijrah of Rasulullah And that was the change of the Qibla. In Mecca, Rasulullah would pray towards Jerusalem, but he would have Al-Kaaba between him and Jerusalem. So he would be facing Al-Kaaba and also facing Jerusalem. But now when he is in Medina, Al-Kaaba is the opposite direction of Jerusalem. So when he was praying, his back was towards Al-Kaaba. Rasulullah wanted to face Al-Kaaba, but he didn't dare to ask Allah about it. So Allah revealed ayat in which the Muslims were told to now face the Qibla of Ibrahim salam, to face Al-Kaaba. Rasulullah prayed towards the new Qibla and one of the Sahaba who was with him went back to uh, his people who were a few miles out of Medina and he found them praying Asr towards Jerusalem. So he told them while they were in Salah I bear witness that I just prayed with Rasulullah towards Mecca. So they turned in their salah to face the new Qibla. That shows you the obedience that they had to Rasulullah and also the trust that they had among them. They immediately turned in their salah and faced the new Qibla.